Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He is Anthony Pusick. How are you, sir? Doing great, Don. Back on the call last night. How was that? That was fun. It was a great game. Honestly, it really was just a terrific game. And I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised about how the Rangers really played overall outside of a couple of bad Fox turnovers in like the first minute of the game. Uh, they were tight defensively, and I, I was kind of dubious on how they were going to perform after the emotional win against the Islanders on Sunday. But, you know, whether it was just Peter Laviolette reminding them the importance of the game or just the fact that they were drubbed by Dallas earlier in the season and how good Dallas is, I I thought they were completely engaged, played well. Shesterkin was on top of his game. That was a pretty impressive win for the Rangers last night over the Stars 3-1. Yes, the downfall of Igor Shesterkin was greatly over-exaggerated. Sure. Um, I think we kind of knew that. Uh, Everybody was rightfully worried, but the team itself wasn't playing very good in general at the time. Um, and as you saw, and I know that he had to make some incredible saves in the second and third, and even in the first, uh, but the second and third really is where he kind of shined because the in the third, they, the Rangers really weren't generating anything offensively and actually missed a lot of good opportunities uh, to score in that game. Um, when the defense is playing well in front of their goaltending, and this is true for any team, but especially for this team, uh, they're very tough to beat. And... The Dallas Stars, even though they were a little banged up, are one of the best teams in hockey. Um, They took Boston to the brink uh, two nights ago, and they played another hard game under Peter DeBoer last night at the Garden, but the Rangers came out on top 3-1. Johnny Brodzinski just got extended uh, on a very team-friendly deal, just like Jimmy Vesey. So Chris Drury is working his magic to try and keep that bottom six intact and at low cost for the next couple of years. Um, things are going very well for the Rangers right now. Eight-game win streak. Uh, look like they've righted the ship. Um, now have a six-point lead on Carolina with uh, Carolina having a game in hand. Um, yeah, uh, really not much to complain about right now, Don, other than the fact that, as you saw, when Kako scored that goal, he took some shifts with Zibanejad and Kreider. They really do need another wing to kind of round out that roster. Yeah, they certainly do, and they're going to try different things to get it going. They're going to have to make a move. They have till March 8th to do it. There isn't that sense of urgency. As you said, they got a bit of a cushion in the division, and I'm not sure how important it is to win the division anyway, but I guess since you've been in first for most of the year, you want to kind of finish that off. Uh, they've got a really weird schedule. They got three more games this week, and then they got like two games next week, and then five games the week after that. Like they're kind of weird, uh, kind of schedule that they've got going on. But they got a couple of games against Columbus coming up, so they've got a real chance to to just maybe widen this lead over uh, Carolina. They'll take on a Devil team that had a miserable loss in Washington last night. Washington's kind of had the Devils number. Uh, this year for whatever reason. Ovechkin with a couple of goals now. He's got 16 on the season. 
uh, but the Devils just uh, just didn't have it going. As much as I was impressed with the Rangers, obviously the emotion of the win against Philadelphia at the Stadium Series didn't carry over to Washington. And for you know a Devil team where every game is just so important as they're trying to find a way to get into the postseason, you know that's a tough loss. And and now Washington jumps right into the conversation. Uh, Anthony, they've got 58 points. They're six points back at Detroit with a game in hand. And, you know, the Devils are only two points ahead of Washington. The Islanders just two points ahead of Washington. But the Caps have games in hand on them as well. So not only do the Devils miss an opportunity to keep pace with Detroit, they're they're sucking Washington now into the conversation. Look, Don, I said it. I think two podcasts ago, ride Nico Dawes as much as you can if you're the Devils just because your goalie situation is so dire. And look, he was going to have a game like this. And it was against a capital team that is fighting to stay afloat in the in the playoff picture. Um, games they need, but also a game the Devils need. And with the goaltending and defense that they have right now, it doesn't seem to matter if Jack Hughes is healthy or not. Uh, this team is just missing something. And I, I wonder now in question whether or not they're going to regret that Lindy Ruff extension. After a really good year, yeah. with a lot of young talent, kind of surprising everybody, knowing that they were a couple of steps away, and after a bunch of seasons of struggle with Lindy Ruff at the helm, are are devils are the devils and devil fans going to regret? Because I'm starting to see it on, on Twitter. They're not liking the way that they're using Meyer. They put Hughes on the wing. Uh, Holtz is not getting the run that anybody seems to think he should be getting, and he scored a goal last night. He has 13 on the season. Um, and I, look, I, I remember Lindy Ruff as the defensive coach for the Rangers. I think he's a good coach. I think there's no question about that. Uh, but something wasn't clicking before last year. It kind of all came together at the right time. And now they've locked him in. And they kind of look like the team that they were two years ago, not last year. So uh, there's got to be some decisions to be made in Jersey. I think once you get your defensive core back and get a goalie, you could fully assess what's going on with that team. Um, but at the moment, it's not looking good. All right, so what is left on his – he got the extension last year. I'm just trying to see what what is the term and how long – It says multi-year con- contract extension. Yeah, and, yeah. I'm just trying to see how long it is. He's 63 years old, and it, it, nothing's really been discussed. Does it just I, say multi-year? Yeah. Oh, I, it could I, just be two years? Yeah, that's see, that's what I'm saying. Is you saw that you saw what Brooklyn did with Jacques Vaughn. He had a full year left on his contract. They still banged him. I mean, I, I it would look kind of weird. You just gave an extension to Ruff. You just gave an extension to the, to um, Fitzgerald. I, I I don't know if they would let him go, but and I'm not even sure how much it would work at this point. But, no, uh, I think this would be an off season thing at this point. I yeah, I, I think you you're ride well, this out. I think you're well past the possibility now. If Fitzgerald feels like he can kind of improve this team without mortgaging the future, knowing where this team is right now, knowing that it may not be a team that's built for even if they squeak into the playoffs, making a long run in the East. Um, against teams like the Rangers and the Panthers and the Bruins. like Those are teams that you're going to have to be at the top of your game to beat. You're not going to kind of sneak up on them and stun them like the Panthers did the Bruins last year. Um, you know, I think you ride it out. And then, look, we've seen it with Chris Drury and the Rangers. Those exit meetings with the players mean a lot. And they have not, uh, multiple guys have not been shy about expressing their displeasure the way things have been transpiring. Um, and I don't know whether that's on the coaching yeah. or whether that's just in general on expectations being higher this year. Uh, so it's definitely something to monitor if this continues. Well, thrilling game out uh, in Pittsburgh. Islanders desperately win the game on a Pelic overtime goal 5-4. to four, But it's the same old song and dance with the Islanders, Anthony. 
blow another multi-goal lead in the third period. I guess the only good news, they were three for three on the kill after giving up three power play goals against the Rangers in the stadium series. But they gave up 41 shots. I don't know what to think about either of these two teams, but I I, got to tell you, uh, I don't think either of these teams are going to the playoffs. I, 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 I want the Islanders to do it. They're close. You know how I feel about local hockey. Get all three of these teams into the postseason. And the Islanders are just four points back of Detroit. But they're just you know, minus 22 goal differential. Their penalty kill is horrible. We talked about with EJ Raddick on Friday. They've been blowing third period leads all year long. They just don't look like a playoff team Patrick to me. Patrick Wild looked very angry. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I'm not even going to blame him. Because if, if this is... if, if it takes time. We've, we've discussed this. It takes time. And, but if there was some sort of an immediate change that Lou Lamarillo was looking for with the coach coming in and Patrick Waugh, that has not worked. Maybe over long term, during an offseason, a training camp, implement his system, things can change. But as far as it happening here, they're only four points out of a playoff spot. But, Anthony, I just don't see you know a playoff team here. I just don't. They, they, they're not doing any of the things that you need to do to be able to find a way to get into the postseason. No, I think you're right, Don. And look, I think last week we were debating the possibility with how good Crosby was playing about the possibility of uh, of Pittsburgh making it. And I, I didn't see it either. It's just not – they're not the same team. But look, somebody is going to have to get that eighth spot in the East. Um, I kind of like Tampa and Detroit at the moment where they are to get those spots. As we know, Toronto's kind of fluctuated back and forth between third in the Atlantic and tops of the wild card. Um, I like Detroit. I think they're going to make a move to get better. I think the way they're playing and the way they consistently find ways to win and get out of ruts more than the Devils, Islanders, Capitals, and Penguins combined is going to allow them to stay afloat and stay higher than those teams. Um, I know that when Lou Lamorello was on the K show two weeks ago, he was pretty confident, or at least he seemed confident, that this team had a playoff run in them. Um, they just don't. We saw it on Sunday. We saw it last night. They have big leads and they give them up. Their penalty kill is terrible. Let's just be honest. Right. Um, they don't necessarily have that top tier scoring. I mean, Nelson's had a good year and Horvat, you know that he could score and Barzell is there. But. Yeah, I just I don't I don't see it. I don't think that. And look again, I, we said it. Uh, boy, two months ago now, Don. How many overtime losses can a team have to make the playoffs? They have fourteen overtime losses, which is why they have sixty points. Look at the Devils; they have five more wins than the Islanders. They played the same amount of games; they have the same amount of points. Right. That's pretty that, incredible, considering uh, you know the way that the, the way the league works. And, you know, I'm just taking a look at the schedule for Detroit. They've got uh, four of their next five games at home. Tough ones. Detroit's got uh, – they've got Colorado tomorrow, uh, Saturday, St. Louis. They go to Chicago and then home against Washington. And then what's going to be a huge game to close out February at home against the New York Islanders. So, yeah, Detroit's kind of looking uh, like they're in really good shape here. And if the, obviously all these teams can make a move on March 8th or before March 8th, they can completely change the complexion of how we look at things. But, you know, same thing with the Devils. When you see the same thing over and over again and the team not being able to gain any traction, um, you just wonder if they're going to be able to have the consistency to be able to make the playoffs. You're right. Two weeks ago, Lou was saying he believed they were a playoff team. It's been up and down. Uh, but they did get three of a possible four points over their last two games, albeit blowing you know third-period leads. But it's all about getting the points, and 
they've been able to get three or four over the last couple of days, and, and, and we'll see what happens uh, with them. Since we're on the topic of the Islanders, we should mention that UBS is going to host the All-Star Game in 2026. I, I'm, not, I'm not in love, Anthony, with an All-Star Game the same year as the Olympics, uh, but good on UBS. And I was thinking about I, I think the last time we've seen an all-star game in the tri-state area you got to go back to when the garden hosted it in 94 so yep. by the time ubs hosts that it'll have been 32 years since the all-star game was in the tri-state area so that's pretty cool we're going um, right don oh yeah I, i'll be there and you know I, the- I, I haven't gone to a ton of all-star games well, we gotta um, go to this one i'll get a credential well, you you gotta go my all-star game i went to the all-star game in minnesota in 04 that was cool. Got to cover that. Nice. Um, I, I went to the All-Star game coming out of the lockout, lockout in 06. That was cool. Got to be on the ice for both of them, like doing stuff during the skills competition and all that. That's pretty cool. And I believe my last All-Star game after that was in Montreal in 2010. Okay, so, Montreal. A lot of hot um, dogs. So I've had... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've had... Uh, a nice experience with All-Star Game, so I, I, I will be there. Um, Winnipeg had a nice bounce back last night. Now, how about yeah. Minnesota? They put up a 10 spot against Vancouver on President's Day. I don't want to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, three hat tricks in that game. Just crazy. And then they end up uh, getting doubled up by the Jets. The Jets who had a horrible game against uh, Calgary, and then they bounce back. And then Vancouver, you know, I, I, I don't mm. know. Are you concerned about them? They've scored eight goals in the last two games and lost them both. Oh. <laughs> they lose to Colorado last night and, of course, the 10-7 game. Um, so out west, Jets and the uh, Canucks, a uh, little bit opposite directions there yesterday, but uh, still I think both teams are in really good shape. Well, I'm not concerned, Don, and the reason I'm not concerned is because as the Canucks go on this losing streak that they're on right now, the Florida Panthers keep on rolling. 3-2 to one, uh, three to yeah. two win in overtime over the Senators, and now just sit two points behind Vancouver mm-hmm. for the top spot in the NHL and have two games in hand. Yeah, you know, I was talking about it with Dave Maloney because I've been telling people, hey, Anthony Pusick, my co-host, says they're going to win the President's Trophy, and everybody seems to agree with you, although they're a little late to the party. You had this weeks ago. They're the best team in the NHL. I mean, right now, as we speak, and it's no disrespect to Vancouver, um, and Friday we'll have our, our top uh, five, uh, and, but when you just look at them up and down, like there's no weakness. and They're just a scary team that can roll four lines and they're only going to get better. You know, People forget they went to the Stanley Cup final last year and they were beat to crap. I mean, they were like walking wounded by the time they ended up losing to Vegas. You know, they are really healthy. Ranheim's been terrific and, and obviously Kachuk is healthy now. The goaltending has been absolutely terrific. So, you know, we'll have our top five coming up on Friday, but right now, tell me I'm wrong that the Florida Panthers aren't the best team in the NHL at this particular moment on February 21st. No, and look, it's not like these guys came out of nowhere. I mean, they've been pretty good all year. Boston just got off to such a hot start like the Rangers, and Florida kind of chipped away at them. But I like the way that Reinhardt's playing, like you said. They have good goaltending. They've won six straight. They've only lost one game in regulation in the last ten um, very, very impressive stuff uh, with the way that they're constructed. I think that this is something that can sustain for them. Um, look, I think we've seen it done, and I know this is kind of like a broken record, but we've seen almost every team that we've put in our top five or that has been in the lead of their division this year go on a run like this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, at, at a point, the Rangers looked unbeatable. At a point, Boston looked unbeatable. At a point, Vancouver looked unstoppable. Vegas, we don't have to. We have, we know how Edmonton looked uh, on their 16 game win streak. Uh, Winnipeg and Colorado. Winnipeg, I think, had it earlier in the year. Colorado's kind of just been consistently good. They haven't had that, you know, they could beat anybody on... I mean, they have Nathan McKinnon. They could beat anybody on any given night. But they haven't had that run like these other teams have had. I mean, look, the Kings had that run for a while. Um, but we talked about how good the Kings' road record is, Don. The Florida Panthers are 27-2 and on the road. They have 20 road wins. That's... Pretty pretty impressive, and seventeen eight and two at home. Yeah. Uh, not only is that good now in the playoffs when you got to go on the road, if you can win more games than you lose, that's going to be a, no. a, a recipe for success. And you know, I, I would I would be scared to face them either Atlantic team that comes out of that because I think Florida not only is going to win the Presidents Trophy, obviously that means they win the division. Sure, that's going to be a tough uh, a tough draw for anybody that comes out of the wild card in eighth. And then whoever wins Bruins Maple Leafs or Bruins Lightning has to face Florida in the second round. That is uh, not easy. And you mentioned only two points back of Vancouver. You know, also they're just three back in the goal differential. I mean, the, the plus fifty-one goal differential, pretty incredible um, for for the Florida Panthers. I tell you, just watching that Dallas team, and I know they've lost three in a row, although two of them came in overtime in the shootout. Boy, are they good! It looked Dallas like re- the thing was you got guys like Ben and Duchesne that that aren't even getting major minutes. That's how good their forwards are. And I got to see Wedgwood, and he he um he played both games against the Rangers this year. So Ottinger, we know how good he is. Wedgwood is a great backup goaltender for them. They probably need another defenseman. Who doesn't really? But the defenseman that they have, I tell you, this Harley doesn't get enough play. He's terrific. We know how, how good Haskinen is. Yeah, they're a really that Dallas team is really good, and you know how good Pete DeBoer is as a coach. So, uh, a lot of lot of teams in the in the conversation for the best team in the NHL, and Dallas is right there. Yeah, this is going to fly over your head at the moment, Don. But in the new NHL games, and of course, every video game is not like real life. Um, it, it last night, second and third period felt like a video game where there's not a whole lot of stoppages. Everybody's turning the puck over in the neutral zone, going back and forth and back and forth. One shot here, one shot there. Uh, pucks going off of sticks, hitting guys in the leg, and then going <laughs> going into a perfect spot to get a two on one breakaway. Uh, by the way, if if Mika's Manajad and Chris Kreider can't figure out on two-on-ones that one of them shoot should the shoot puck. at some point, <laughs> I, Dave might have killed him. Oh, listen, he was very upset at that one. Um, but, yeah, yeah, they just don't get a shot. And you then, know, just, and then oh. it was, what was it, Don? It was two-on-three, and Zabanajad shoots it about four inches away from the re- from the left face-off circle, and then that's the one you shoot? I know. Where there's three guys in front? That's the one. Anyway, well, they won well, the those- game. It's nothing to complain about. But, yeah, it was, it was that, well, that had a playoff feel to it. And the intensity of every single shot was important, and every single shot had a chance I, to be a difference maker. In the I game. didn't look it up, but there was some time in the third period, early in the third period, where you were talking about there's that back and forth where I'm just, I'm just nonstop giving play by play because just there's no stoppages, great passes, great shots, and you know, and if you don't know, um, you'll find out now. Now you do. My attachment to my pen. It's always in my hand. I'm always flicking my pen. Well, if you think I'm flicking my pen doing a talk show, you should see me doing play-by-play. So in the middle of all of that, the pen flies out of my hand and hits Molly Walker in the head of the New York Post. So <laughs> Ray Santiago is looking down. There's like a whole big, like, what, what? where did that come from? And then eventually she threw the pen back. But look at it on social media. 
Ray Santiago had tweeted out that I, I didn't miss a beat, even though I lost my pen and hit Molly Walker in the head with it. I knew exactly what happened when I heard that. I was like, Don was flicking his pen, yeah, and it was and just there was whoop. just too much going on, and then it just flew in it the just, air. It just flew in the air and it hit Molly. But it, it, was okay. it adds to whatever whatever yesterday was, uh, which was a which was an eventful experience. Yeah, there was a lot going on yesterday. Um, great, great win for Nashville last night. You know, that's a team that's not known for winning games. With a, a lot of uh, goals, you know, but they win five to three. Uh, this Evangelista is a nice player that, yeah. that doesn't get talked about there. Uh, he picked up his 11th goal of the season. Uh, so a nice win for, you know, a beat up Vegas team. I get it. You know, the thing with Vancouver is when we're talking about like Florida being just a point ahead of Boston, and if they want to win the division, there's going to be engagement the rest of the year. Vancouver's got a 10 point lead now in Vegas. Yep. So, you know, they can kind of afford to have the little bit of laps that they've had over the last couple of games and it not hurt them because they've got a double-digit lead in February in the division um, because I don't know Vegas is not going to be able to catch them, but that's a huge win uh, for Nashville. And you take a look at that wild-card race in the West, and they just sit, you know, they tied in points with the Blues, although the Blues do have a game in hand. Uh, Minnesota hanging around as well, just two points back. Give Seattle credit. They're just three points back. Uh, the Kings have kind of righted their ship a little bit, and they've got a nice six-point uh, cushion for that first wild card. But even Calgary, you know, we're talking about how the Devils should, fans should be rooting against Calgary. They're still hanging around just three points out of a playoff spot, and that's where the line is at your Coyotes yeah, no, that's completely not, fallen that's, off that's now. That's not a thing anymore. So they're done. So Nashville, Minnesota, Seattle, Calgary, all on the outside looking in for a playoff spot, but just three points back. Um, unfortunately for Nashville, Minnesota, and Calgary, all have played one more game than St. Louis. But with the you know, so those are all. So you have right now, Anthony. That's five teams for two spots out west, and two of the biggest goaltenders that could be moved at the deadline. That are now within reason. If the Flames think they're in it, Nashville certainly should think they're in it to be playoff contenders. Well, so if, you, if you're looking for a goalie, you may not be getting it out of Calgary, and you may not be getting it out of Nashville, which of course is what I thought. Right um, now, that now makes Seattle, it tough. Now Seattle, um, they've got some pieces. You're hearing things about Yanni Gord. Is he going to get moved? Heard Wenberg possibly uh, Wenberg, to, a, you know, to a to a team here in New York. Yeah, possibility there too. But I'm you know, Seattle making the playoffs for the first time last year. That they kind of want to build off the momentum of that. You heard EJ say on Monday, Calgary, Chris, Con- uh, Craig Conroy might just say, "All right, listen, we might miss the play, might make the playoffs, but I still, I'm thinking more wide angle lens." Maybe it's less important for Calgary to make the playoffs. Uh, Nashville, uh, what are they going to do? Do they feel the importance of making the The problem in the West, Anthony, you're not making a run. Well, right. That's, right? that's I mean, the that, That's the point. Is None of those teams are going to be able to, I think, beat the top teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, It's Vancouver, Calgary, Dallas, Colorado. Those are the teams. So any of these teams, I know strange things happen. Who had Florida beating Boston, yada, yada, yada. But really, do you see any of these teams getting that final seed in the West and winning in the first round? No, I don't. Um, I just think Vancouver's too good, and I do think it's going to be Vancouver that has it in the West. Um, the Kings are interesting to me just because it's the Kings in a lower seed and the wild card and you know that I know half those guys are gone probably Kopitar is the only one that's still standing from any of those teams um, but you always fear them in a, in a low seed and what they can do but no I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you Don and and 
like you said, Barry Trotz is in his first year as general manager in Nashville. Does he feel a value in just sneaking into the playoffs and mortgaging the possibility of improving his team long term in an effort to lose in five to Vancouver? I, I don't think so. Uh, they're they're under five hundred at home. I mean, you can't be you can't be doing right. that. Um, like we, I, I've said it multiple times. I don't I don't think. I don't think Seattle's as good as they were last year. I'm not a big fan of Minnesota. I know that they have some people, you know, they have some pieces that, and quite frankly, if they don't feel like they're a, a, a playoff team, they could be moving some guys around. Um, Calgary, yes. I, I, with the talent that Calgary has, they should be better, but they're just not. And now it's a matter of, do you think that this that what you have on this team is going to be good enough next year with pieces that you add in the offseason to make you better? Or do you trade them away now, try and build yourself better for the future? And I think that might be the better way to go. Well, Not to I, say that it can't happen, Don. We've seen crazier things, but this the, year, top-heavy in both conferences, for like for that matter, where teams that are on the fringe thinking, eh, sneaking in might, well, you never know. I think sneaking in this year is not going to be as fruitful as it has been in years no, past. No, but I can see the value for Seattle. Like I said, second Second consecutive year making the sure. playoffs. I think there'd be a load of excitement. First round matchup: Seattle, Vancouver. Like, how cool would that be? Pacific Northwest bat. Like, I, I could see the cracking. You know, even if they were to get swept or losing five, see value. You could take a boat. And you know, right? And creating a bit of a rivalry. Uh, it could be the John Tortorella dog series because if you remember when John Tortorella was coach of Vancouver, uh, to, it, so he didn't have to bring his dogs across the border. He lived in the state of Washington, you know. So uh, I guess I'm joking around. I like how point. he's involved in that, though. Yeah, I just love to include torts and everything. All right, let's get to uh, social media at Donald Reca at Anthony Pusick hashtag Game Misconduct. Danny Mac Sports says, "Are one way contracts like the ones Johnny Brodzinski signed a way to somewhat prevent teams from claiming him off waivers in the future?" Can you? see teams doing this to discourage others from scooping up these types of players well he was no longer going to be sent back to Hartford he was never going to be put on waivers he's become such an important part of this team now I mean that that third line is really clicking so I see what Danny's getting at but Brodzinski deserved this he's got speed he, he doesn't have any finish but um, he, he wins face-offs. He does a lot of good things for this team. He's even on the second unit on the power play. He deserved that contract. Well, no, I, I, I think I'm a little confused by the question because obviously, like with a one-way, if he was ever to get sent down, he has to be placed on waivers, um, which is what you saw opening you know, in Pitlick, right? Um, right. I think that what probably happened here was by giving him a two-year deal on a one-way contract, it probably limited the term or the price, I should say, not the term. Mm-hmm. It probably allowed Drury to say, we'll give you basically league minimum, a little bit better than league minimum, but we will give you a one-way contract for two years. You don't have to keep worrying about going back and forth. Whereas if a team said, we'll give you a two-way contract for $1.5 million, I'm not saying that he would get that, but you know what I mean. No, you're like, right. Th- that, like, this is, okay, we won't, we're not going to give you a whole, a, a ton more money, but we are going to ensure that this is a one-way deal. So, by the way, if we do send you down and people do value you the way we value you, you'll probably get scooped up and get and get to be able to play somewhere else. You're not going to be in Hartford anymore. Um, it really just comes down. I think it's it depends on the player, depends on the GM, the team. There's a whole lot of things that factor into that. I think Drury's done a nice job, like I said earlier, building out this bottom six with. Uh, team-friendly contracts on players who are very, very good with tremendous upside for the money that they're making, Jimmy Vesey being one of them. Um, Obviously, the albatross that people think of Barkley Goudreau's contract, you need to kind of save some money elsewhere. And Johnny Brodzinski, even if he's not the third center next year, will be a player who will be on the fourth line at the very least, or he could play the wing 
on the third line with the way he's playing. Um, so I think it's a great deal for the Rangers. And will teams do it in the future? Yeah. If you want to keep your younger or, you know, bottom six talent, give them contracts that are one way as opposed to two way. And you might be able to pay a little less as a result. Uh, AZ Ranger says, hey, guys, the Islanders are going to overtime, point their way to the Stanley Cup, aren't they? What would absolutely be the worst first-round matchup for the Rangers? And it's not even close. He said that would be. It would be hard to stomach losing to the Devils and the Islanders in consecutive years. I get it, but selfishly, it's been 30 years since these two teams have met in the postseason. Yeah. I would love to see it. I I don't know how you feel as a as a diehard Ranger fan. I don't I don't think the Rangers have to you know listen. Anybody could be scary, right? In in a first round matchup. Uh, considering they won't be the one seed, I don't think, as, as we, we both have Florida winning the President's Trophy. If not Florida, it would probably be Boston. You know, So then the Rangers are going to be taking on that that uh, that first wild card team. So it could be anybody that they get knocked out. But I, I get you don't want to lose to your locals back-to-back years, but I think it'd be great to see the Rangers and Islanders play in the playoffs for the first time in three decades. And this is no shade to the Islanders. I've I've been very vocal about how I don't think that they, they just have the pieces necessary to go on a long run. Uh, yes, is it fearful because of the bragging rights and the vitriol that you're going to see on social media between Rangers and Islander fans about who's better and who won and who lost? Sure. But I don't think the Islanders are certainly a team that I'd, I'd be more fearful of Tampa. Uh, I'd be more fearful of Detroit, quite frankly. I know they're a younger team. If if Toronto falls out of the top, the top three and finds their way in, because as, as I said, I think Florida's going to win um, the President's Trophy. So that would mean that the Rangers play the best wild card team if they win the division. Um, I would fear Tampa. I would fear Toronto. I would fear Detroit more than I would fear the Islanders. Um, yeah, look, I I'd have to, I guess I'd have to ask my dad this, Don. I obviously was born in 94. I have not seen the Rangers win a cup. Even I wasn't conscious when the Rangers won a cup. So I have not seen the Rangers-Islanders rivalry at its peak like it probably was in the 70s and 80s. In the 80s, I should say. Um, I, I hate the Devils more because they've prevented the Rangers from getting to a Stanley Cup within my lifetime and beat them last year. When they were an up-and-coming team and the Rangers had expectations that were higher. Uh, the Rangers have faced Carolina more in the playoffs. Here I'm going with this. So, yeah. I, I'm not saying that it's not a rivalry to me. I'm saying that that would add to the rivalry something that I haven't had in my time as a fan in the 30 years. Because either one team was better than the other or vice versa. And they never really faced each other in a very big moment right. where there was the hatred that needed to be there, other than the fact that they both have New York in the front of their name. Right, and and, and that's no fault. I mean, that's it's been 30 years. And when they played in 94, the Rangers swept them like dogs. I mean, it wasn't even competitive. You know, so you're really the rivalry, the crux of this rivalry are really for people north of fifty because when they met in seventy nine, when the Rangers upset them, and then obviously the four straight Stanley Cups. But then after 83, they, they met here or there, but not to where one of the teams were winning anything until 94 when the Rangers uh, won that first-round meeting against Ron Hextall and the Islanders to, to win the Cup. So really, it's just that condensed period in the early 80s where it really became like a big deal. Uh, so it's been a long time. You're not the only one. There are people that are in the early 40s. Like, I don't get this thing other than the fact the, that it's regional. That they've had any? There have been moments. I mean, there was the um, um, what was it? The uh, Simon, you know, the baseball bat swing was that Ryan Hallwig when he pent you in the face. Oh yeah, you know there were there were moments, you know, uh, where 
they've had some heated things go on, and certainly I would put what happened on Sunday right up there as a, a great moment to that rivalry. But, God, they were showing it during the stadium series, Anthony, like the history of the Islanders rivalry, and you know some of it was like still black and white photos. You know That right. 75 series with J.P. Parisi, um, scored in overtime against the Rangers. Like there's those some of those games weren't televised. There's like literal black and white footage from like uh, the game reel from the teams that they used like for the highlights. I Isn't mean that's that how long ago it was. But no, and that, and that speaks to it. Now look, I'm not saying that it's not a rivalry. That you're going to see. Trust me, if they face each other in the playoffs, if that happens, there's going to be vitriol and hatred like never before. These are rabid fan bases. Well, they're very passionate. I true. but right now. I think the Devils are a bigger rivalry to the Rangers. I think there are teams in the Metro that Ranger fans hate more than the Islanders at the present. And vice versa, quite frankly. Because everything is based on the postseason. That's where rivalries are born to me, at least in hockey. So think of all of the rivalries the Rangers have built up in the postseason since 94. All right, you you go later on in that '94 run with the Rangers and the Devils in the conference final. I mean, that's what people are going to remember. That went seven games. The Islander Ranger game was a sweep in the first round. You think of all the epic battles that the Rangers have had with the Capitals, with the Flyers, with the Penguins, within the Metropolitan Division, that 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 resonate way more to people than anything Rangers Islanders. Yes, I agree. Heck, I mean, you can even go back to, is it more of a rivalry based on what's happened recently between the Rangers and the Lightning? You know, they played twice in the conference final. And then on the Islanders' side, they probably hate the Lightning more because they played the Lightning back-to-back yes. in the third round. I think, so they I think pro- that's they without a doubt. feel more with them. Yep. Look, the good thing about uh, um, regional rivalries is that it makes those those regular season games feel like more. And when you play your team in your own division, it feels like more. It's It's in every sport. For sure. But look, as a Giant fan, do I have hatred for the Washington Commanders? Not really. Um, they, for a while, both teams were really, really bad. And when the Giants were good, the Commanders weren't. Um, right. No offense to Peter, I, but I, I, I hate the Eagles with every fiber of my being. And I don't like the Cowboys because they've given the Giants problems. Um, the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry for me has kind of lost its luster a little bit. But it was one of the most rabid, angry rivalries that I was a part of as a fan in my young life. Um, and now it's more the Tampa Bay Rays, as crazy as that sounds. So it fluctuates, for sure. Um, it would be cool. I'm sure the NHL would be rooting for it. <laughs> That's for sure. Because I don't know how much of an appetite Carolina-Philadelphia would have on a on a national scale. Can we put that on true TV? Um, <laughs> Boston-Toronto, I think that the NHL wants to just end that right now and just get that going. Let's let's just let's just ship that over. Um, boy, that, and see now, Don, you got me thinking about how awesome some of these matchups would be. Right. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, gonna... Edmonton-Vegas would be a whew, like a 10-7 game every night. That'd be fun. That would be oh, fun. Let's just get to the playoffs. Roger says, the NHL has great momentum from the stadium series, but it doesn't seem like they're doing a good job carrying it to gain more fans' viewers. How can they improve this? Rangers-Devils not being national broadcast this week is a huge miss. I, but eh. the, I don't, I don't Why? see that. Why? Why? I mean, uh, listen, it's a, it's a Thursday game. First of all, these things have to be chosen you know, way in advance, and, and I think that they kind of look at it as that you can only take teams a certain amount of time. And, and I don't know, are people in California going to be that engaged with Rangers-Devils? I mean, I still haven't seen the ratings for the stadium series over the weekend to see how big a number they did. Listen, these stadium series games, and I heard um, Elliot Freeman talk about this. 
he's been to 20 of the 41 outdoor games. Mm -hmm. And he said, people got to stop with the whole national television, national exposure. The stadium series stuff is for the fans of that area. They're for the the 150,000 people that attended the game over the weekend. That's Mm -hmm. who it's for. Those are the people that it's really going to resonate. Was it fun to watch on television or listen to on the radio or whatever? I guess it was, but the real people that are going to walk away feeling really engaged by what happened are the people that actually sat in the stands and experienced it. I have so I think number. it's two separate things here. It's a, it's about, I think that the tri-state area benefited it, uh, ama- uh, amazingly, but is somebody sitting there in Nebraska watching it? Uh, are you worried about them? I, I doubt it. Don, I do have the number for the Saturday night game, Flyers-Devils, Okay, according to sportsmediawatch.com. Uh, NBA All-Star Night, because it was up against Saturday night's All-Star festivities, did a 2.1, 4.4 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game itself on ABC did a point six, one point one million, which is pretty good. One point one million for a Flyers Devils game, pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it was under the UFC pay per view prelims at eight thirty nine. It was under Fox College Sports Big Ten Prime, Michigan State versus Michigan, um, and that did a point seven. Only only two hundred thousand more people, but I think that's I think that's a number the NHL is probably happy with. I'm curious to see well, what Sundays come out with. Maybe we'll find that out today. Well, think of it, it's a regular season hockey game when you when it's all yeah, when said you break and done, it down, right? sure. You know, and it was on ABC, but also when it's a it's a regional sport. So when you put Devils Flyers on ABC any given day, mm-hmm. the large percentage of people that are going to watch that game are Devils, are and, Devils and Flyer fans. Correct. Well, when you take you know seventy thousand of them, you know, and put them in an arena or in the stadium, well, those are people that aren't watching the game, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so I'm sure if you threw another seventy thousand people to watch the game, then that would that would have bumped up the rating to beat those other things, you know. So, I think they're probably happy with that. I'm sure Rangers Islanders got even a better rating because they didn't have any competition. Daytona 500 didn't race because of the rain. Um, the NBA All Star Game was later that night. So they didn't have any competition, really. So I wouldn't be surprised if the number maybe doubles Flyers um, and uh, Devils to maybe where you might have gotten over two, maybe two and a half, possibly three million. And by the way, Capitals Lightning on ESPN on Thursday is a very good choice as well. The thing about it, Don, that and I know that people, um, I give, I love everybody's passion. I wonder how many people are like you and I that are hockey fans that will watch the TNT Bruins Oilers game tonight. Or are you just watching your team? And there's nothing wrong with that. I think baseball and hockey are like that in, in a way, um, unless you're a really diehard fan. I know that Michael watches more baseball than just the Yankees when he's on the road and at, at night when he gets back to his hotel. I know Peter watches NBA games that don't involve the Celtics because he loves it. You and I watch hockey. I had all four TVs on in the studio on President's Day with all four different games. I also had some betting involved in it, but that's besides the point. I don't know how many Rangers, Islanders, Devils fans are looking tonight going, you know what, I don't got a lot going on. Let me tune tune to TNT and watch Blackhawks Flyers, and then I'll go watch Oilers Bruins. So I get, I, I could see why you want like your your team on a national scale, but does it in the end does it really matter? Because if it's not your team, you're not watching. 
Yeah, no, not, not at this stage. Now, once you get to the playoffs, maybe yeah, it's a different story. Different. But, but at the end of the day, it's a regular season game in February. So baseball and hockey are going to be generating an audience based on the fans of those teams that are playing in the game. And the NBA and the NFL, it looks like it's a little different. People are fans of players. People are fans of, of different teams. And, and, and that's, a, that's a different argument. But the regional sports are going to rely on the big teams. That's why in the nationally televised games, usually the winter classics involve the big market teams, the Rangers, the original six teams, you know, Flyers, Penguins um, that are outside the original six but also have huge fan bases. That's what it's about. But then when you get to the playoffs and there's so much on the line, but at the end of the day for a person that's not in the building, Anthony, that doesn't have a, a horse in the race, it's a, it's a regular season game with two points on the line in the middle of February. That's, That's how I felt going into it, by the way. Excited. It, it got me more excited watching it, especially with the way the game uh, unfolded. But I got news for you. If it was 4-1 Islanders and it kind of just coasted that way until the third period, uh, it, quite frankly, even if it was the, the other way with the Rangers, if it was a 4-1 dominant win and there wasn't that excitement at the end, would it have been the spectacle that we all kind of thought? I, yeah. Look, I watched a little bit of Devil's Flyers, but because it was so out of hand, I was like, "All right, this is—it's cool that you know we got the Tommy DeVito Italian hand gestures and everything." But the game was kind of out of reach, so you're yeah, like, "All right, well, the, the the good win for the Devils, of course. Unfortunate if you're a Flyer fan, but as a as a hockey fan, are you like glued to your TV? Like, I gotta see the end of this. It's like, yeah, yeah, and then we'll see how much that affects the number from Sunday because did people turn off the TV when it was five two, you know, and and not hang to see the Rangers come back the way that it did because there's a lot of people that are still of that old nature like you know you don't see a lot of comebacks in the nhl we see it every day that there's no you know three goal leads evaporate right away but there's that old school feeling of well nobody like soccer like nobody scores and who's going to come back from a three goal deficit in the third period and you know but still i didn't see anybody leave the building um on sunday i'll tell you that how could you how could you leave but i don't you know again there's so many different ways that we consume um sports right now that I, I i don't get television ratings to me seem like a dinosaur way of gauging interest um it, it, and listen and if you want to sit there and have a debate uh football is winning by so much that it's almost like nothing else is worth talking about than football if you're going to base it on that you shouldn't even like put numbers. football in the conversation like right, you should be so, like how are you compared to basketball right, and right, baseball right. because your, your football is on its own on its own plane well listen we've we're, we're 40 minutes into this we've got a few more um i want to do more media. i know but, but, but we touched on a lot of the things that people were asking about but i i, I do appreciate the people um, and their feedback, you know, we got Harvey Cruz and Tom and Steve Brzezinski was sending a tweet and Bobby Krause had a really good thing about the Devils, although I think we did touch on Lindy Ruff. That's what he was asking about about all that. But we, we do appreciate all the people, Robert Jimenez and Brett, uh, Brett out there that um, tweet. Um, but we got we got another job we got to go to so uh, we'll be back again on friday so if we didn't get to your uh, tweet today we'll definitely try to get to it on friday we'll have our top five so if you want to reach out to us at don lagreca hashtag game misconduct there was also one that i wanted to bring up here real quick i want to find out who it was oh it was islanders mets jets fan about putting bleachers up between the stands and the ice to fit more people in i, I don't know how feasible that is, especially a lot of these baseball stadiums where you don't have a lot of height to the people that have like the first five rows 
they don't want to be blocked by the fannies of, of bleachers in front of them. I don't think I, you. I don't think you want drunk fans that close. I know that it happens in every in every stadium. I don't think you want drunk fans that close in an outdoor game. Well, you don't also want them run, you know, running around the stadium. I mean, yeah, you know, how are you going to no. keep all these people contained? Uh, apparently, it was Bart Scott's idea, and that's all you need to know. So we'll talk to you again on Friday. Well, Bart this wants was chaos. The, <laughs> we love that. <laughs> this was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.